Hi, and welcome to the Hingham Cast. I'm your host, Allie Donnelly. The Hingham Cast is hyper local, looking at the world through the lens of one small town, my town, here on Boston South Shore. Our mission is to build community through conversation, empathy, connection. Today, we're looking at the fallout that's come from the surge of pandemic pets over the last 18 months. Of course, there are so many wonderful aspects of all these furry creatures finding homes, but that many animals flooding the system at once has created a crisis in veterinary care. It's straining an industry already struggling with staff burnout, staff shortages, and a serious mental health crisis. We're looking at the issue from all angles, from the pet owner, who used to be able to call their vet and get right in, to the public-facing staff dealing with stressed-out clients, to the doctors navigating skyrocketing, unprecedented caseloads. Millie girl, you hungry? Come here. Millie is a sweet-faced golden retriever rescued by Laura Winters and her family just before the pandemic hit. Good girl. Millie's eating her first solid food after getting into something she shouldn't have. She was really sick, you know, vomiting all over the house. She was so tired and couldn't get off the couch. So we knew we needed to, you know, call the vet. Laura, who co-owns the Hingham Anchor, our media partner, called her vet, but her vet couldn't take Millie. They were full and couldn't squeeze her in, even for this. This was the first time ever having a dog that we, you know, couldn't bring a sick dog to the vet. So what do you do? So they recommended that we go over to VCA or Angel. We chose VCA because it's just over in Weymouth. And I called and couldn't get through. So they have an emergency room and I just figured, let's just take her in. It's an emergency room, like for a human. So we got to the emergency room and went to check her in. The guy in front of us, actually I saw his dog pass out in the parking lot. Turns out he had tried to get into the VCA earlier in the day, but couldn't get an appointment. So they sent him to another vet and the closest one that could take him was in Bridgewater. When he got to Bridgewater, they did an x-ray and saw that his heart was enlarged and said, you need to get to a hospital now. So that dog now is back at the hospital. He probably should have been at in the first place. You know, they immediately admitted this dog. They called a cardiologist and he went straight back. So that was great. We, on the other hand, we were waiting Um, and it wasn't a terrible wait. And, you know, they were great to us, but, you know, there was a wait. Poisoning is a level one priority at animal hospitals, meaning typically a dog would be seen quickly. Laura says Millie was okay, just feeling lousy and dozing. But the wait in the emergency room let her see part of a stress system at full tilt. I felt so bad for the people who worked there. It was mayhem. I never once heard the phone stop ringing. Um, The women who were working the front desk were badgered by people. I watched you know, people come up and, and yell at them, and I don't understand why you can't get us this appointment. And it was clear that everyone there was, was really under a lot of stress and pressure. Can you understand tensions riding high? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if it had been something that I was actually, you know, we're still in a position where she was just sick and tired, and we've all been there with a the stomach bug. You just don't feel good. Mm. So if I had been panicked, I think that my personality would have been very different that day too. <laughs> I like to think that I don't take things out on people, but you know, when you're stressed out about your pet, who is you know, one of your babies, basically, I can see how things would get really tense. 
Lenore Walker would have been one of those staffers just a couple of months ago. She was the referral coordinator for VCA for nearly 20 years, often at the intake desk or answering the phones from stressed-out callers. She retired in August, sooner than she had planned to, heartbroken to leave the family's pets and colleagues she'd been so close to for decades. But she says she just couldn't take what was happening anymore. I absolutely love my job. I love the hospital. I love the doctors. I love the people that I work with. Um, It was a really difficult decision for me to leave my job. Mm. It's been my whole life, but I couldn't be treated like an abused woman every day of my life anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like being a workhorse and you just continuously being beaten down every day. I have never heard such language come out of adults. Um, I've never been so personally attacked. Hmm. I've been called names I didn't know existed. Hmm. I've had attacks about my mother. I've had people tell me that it's my fault that their pet is going to die. Hmm. It's my fault that I'm going to kill their pet because I can't see them. People only hear what they want to hear. And people think that screaming at somebody on the phone makes things happen quicker, Mm. which it does not. And to work eight to nine hours every day, listening to that is very, very difficult after a while on your mental health. What was that for someone to say, you're going to kill my dog? I mean, what did that do to you? The first few times you hear it, you want to crawl up in a ball and die. Hmm. If you're not a sensitive person, you wouldn't be working in that field. Hmm. You just learn and you know that people are just lashing out. Hmm. COVID and pandemic working, it's become a very regular Hmm. thing. When the doors were closed, we had people trying to break them down you know, threatening, go home and get a gun and come back. I mean, people just out of control. Mm. That happened at, at the hospital? Yeah, yeah. The animal hospital? Yeah. Oh, wow. People are attached to the animals. They don't know what's going on. They don't know what to do with their stress or anger. Mm. And a lot of times it just plain gets taken out on us. Let's take a quick break here. If you like having a community podcast literally right in your pocket, help support us. Rate us and write a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And share this episode with a friend or post it on social media. We need your help to keep the podcast going. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. I want to bring in Dr. Jean Ficicello, who understands staff burnout well. So Jiggles is a 16-year-old male neutered, Chinese-crusted. Dr. Fick, as she's known, is from Hingham and one of the specialty directors at VCA. She gave us a look behind the scenes at the animal hospital as she checked in on pet patients. I think he has this condition called collapsing trachea, which is manageable, but he's been coughing pretty hard. 
There's no rest for the weary here, juggling an ever-ballooned number of cases. According to the ASPCA, close to one in five households, or 23 million, welcomed a new cat or dog in 2020. And they all need some kind of veterinary care. So paint me a picture of activity pre- and post-pandemic. Like, what's that shift? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're a hybrid hospital, meaning that we are both a wellness practice and an ER facility and a specialty practice. So we tend to be a busier practice because we have a lot of specialists. We're centrally located. So when the pandemic hit, our wait times stretched to four, five, six hours. We have had to have nights due to both caseload and staffing, because that's been another issue, where we've had to say to people, I'm sorry your dog has an ear infection. We're going to have to have you come back tomorrow. We, mm. we really need to prioritize the sickest of pets. And I've never seen that in my career. So paint me a picture. Last night, uh, we our surgeon had multiple emergencies, multiple animals that had eaten things that they shouldn't have that had to go to surgery. We have pets rush back that have been hit by cars, pets that are having you know difficulty breathing. Yeah. You know, you've got other pets going into CT scanners, MRIs coming in and out of our ICU. You know, our ICU was full yesterday. You know, it was at capacity. You know, with pets who've had surgery, pets who are sick, you know, kidney disease, vomiting, diarrhea. That's one day. One day. Wow. Yeah. So tell me the kinds of things that you're diverting that would have kind of gotten an automatic in pre-pandemic. Sure. I mean, someone walks in the middle of the night and their dog has an ear infection. Maybe a pet vomited once, but is stable. Maybe a pet's limping. You know, we want to see that pet, um, but we have to prioritize a pet who's been hit by a car, a pet that's bleeding into its abdomen, um, maybe a pet in respiratory distress. And yet we need to make sure that we are providing good care for the patients, you know, the, the priority patients, meaning sick patients, the sickest. Yeah. And that's hard on owners. That's frustrating to be told we can't see your pet. How did that translate when people you know, they bring their pet in for them, it, you know, emergency is in the eye of the beholder or the pet owner. Um, for them, it may be crisis situation. But for you, you see it a little bit differently. What was the reaction or what has been the reaction from um, from people? I would say a majority of people these days are understanding. I think people understand the process now, but initially people don't understand. People I think I don't need to tell anyone that we live in a very reactionary society right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, they're not always reactionary towards us as the doctors, right? They're reactionary towards my front staff, yeah, the people on the phones. And we understand their frustration, you know, um, but sometimes there's nothing we can do about it. And we do our best to accommodate. You know, we've had nights where maybe a pet needs a simple procedure. We can't get it done. But we keep the pet there. We do it in the morning. Mm-hmm. We don't charge them to keep the pet. So we, we try our best to certainly work with owners because we know it's frustrating. And it's frustrating for us, right? This is our training has revolved around making sure pets get what they need, practicing high quality medicine for everyone. Yeah. Um, and so it's hard when when we have to say not maybe no entirely, but no right now, right? I need you to come back. And that's hard on people, right? They just said, I've got to get my kid in a school bus. I've got to get to work. Right. You know, I mean, I think our front staff who answer the phones and are forward facing with clients have the toughest job in our hospital, right? They're the first ones that get bad reactions 
I think our hospital some days gets up to 3,000 phone calls a day. Wow. You know, these are people who have worked through the entire pandemic, right? Essential workers. You know, we were declared essential workers. Yeah. And so our front staff have, have worked for a year and a half under these conditions, you know, masks, socially distancing, dealing with these stressors. And it can be really hard on them. It can be really hard on them. So what's the answer? I mean, it's not like these pets are going anywhere. Like, what do we do? Yeah, I mean, I think right now we have to work with, you know, what we have, right? We are understaffed. I think that's getting better in our practice. I think a lot of people are burnt out. I think a lot of our nursing staff got very burnt out during the pandemic. Yeah. I think there are pay, you know, inequities, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that have been longstanding with veterinary nurses. So I think those are kind of, you know, ongoing issues. I think our company did a great, a great job during the pandemic very early on of making sure that people had access to free mental health care. That was a huge thing that was pushed um, because they recognized very early that this was so stressful on people. Yeah. But it's hard. It's, It's hard. There are days where you can just see it on people's faces that people are physically and emotionally exhausted mm. from the caseload. So I want to bring in my next guest, Dr. Meg Whalen. She's the chief medical officer at MSPCA Angel Animal Medical Center in Boston. Hi, Dr. Whalen. Hi, Allie. How are you? Good, good. So, you know, we hear these different vantage points of what this crisis is. Would you characterize it as a crisis? I think realistically, we have to call it a crisis. Um, As an emergency doctor, we don't like to use that term lightly, but Mm -hmm. the just influx of number of patients is not going away. And this will continue even probably when the pandemic is officially over, just because so many people acquired pets and the number of staff we have has decreased dramatically to take care of those pets. So I imagine this will continue. Why is staff decreasing? Well, some people are retiring early. So some of the veterinarians are deciding to take a break or not continue in the field for burnout reasons. And the same is true for our technical staff, um, also our client care coordinators, the front desk, they're choosing other positions or a lot of the schools that trained the technicians closed down during the pandemic. So getting an education to be a technician is also a little bit harder. Mm. So for all those reasons, we continue to have a shortage. We had one prior to the pandemic and it's only worsened because people are choosing other fields. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, what would you say your volume percentage-wise has, or you know, anything you can tell me about your vol- volume has changed? This past year, I would estimate that we saw an additional 10,000 visits, uh, 4,000 of those being ER cases. So that's an estimate for this past year. And I imagine each subsequent year, it will be pretty close to that. What was the burnout before COVID? And then how have you seen that intensify? I think the veterinary profession has never done a good job in um, making sure that we take care of the veterinarians and the and the veterinary staff. It's always been that we were supposed to be working around the clock and doing everything possible at all hours. And we don't hold other physicians to that same level. Mm. Our profession has always had the highest suicide rate uh, recently in the last few years, but 
I believe this is just intensified because there's not outlets for everybody to enjoy. So if you enjoyed traveling or other things and had decompressive outside hobbies, they're becoming a little bit limited. And so I think that that compounds it, that it's difficult to enjoy friends and families Mm. and some of the normal activities that might help you relax um, during your off hours. Um, So I think that compounds it. Yeah. You know, there was a, I'm sure you're familiar, but a 2019 study by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control Prevention. Um, It looked at the death records of 11,000 plus veterinarians, and they found that male veterinarians were more than twice as likely to die by suicide than others in the general population. And female veterinarians were three and a half times more likely to commit suicide. Now, this was before the pandemic. Does that kind of confluence of factors worry you for what those numbers could look like, you know, in the next few years? To be honest, absolutely. And we have a lot of groups out there, like Not One More Vet, um, trying to encourage people to be kind and empathetic to those that are working in the veterinary field. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's it's not one factor, right? I mean, there's a number of factors. But do you think it's fair to draw a line of worry between what's happening now and, you know, what could happen for mental health for veterinarians in the years to come? Well, I think the veterinary field has become much more aware. And so there's courses now and and people are speaking openly about it. Whereas before, this was never a topic that was covered with students or young or old veterinarians. It was, Mm. you were just supposed to cope with it. Um, It was kind of like a dirty truth of the profession. Um, But now I I feel that people are aware and trying to take active steps to take care of themselves better. Mm -hmm. And hospitals are realizing this as well by hiring social workers and other individuals to kind of help the hospital team. Yeah. How do you see this ending, so to speak? Not obviously veterinarian suicide, but like, how do you see like it's not like the pets are going away. So what do you think gets better? I'm not sure. I think it's going to be this way for quite a while. This, unfortunately, is going to be the new norm. And so I feel sorry for the veterinarians that are just starting in the field because they know no different. And some of us older veterinarians realize what it was like and how it's different now. Um, But I don't see this changing, you know, for the next five to seven years. Hopefully, will we be unmasked soon at work, which should make it a little bit easier because it's hard to work long days masked for that long periods of time. Mm. So I think that would help those small things. Um, but I imagine the workload and some of the frustrations that um, pet owners have will continue. Let's take a quick break here. If you haven't subscribed to our email list, what are you waiting for? You'll get a note letting you know when new episodes drop, and each week we have a great giveaway just for subscribers. Gift cards, movie tickets, swag. Next week, one lucky subscriber will win a $100 gift card to Trist, so don't miss out. Sign up at thehinghamcast.com. Okay, let's get back to the conversation and hear from both vets on how we as pet owners can help the situation. I start with Dr. Whalen. And so what do you say to pet owners? What do you tell people who ask you how you're doing and what they can do? 
Well, I just be kind. <laughs> so obviously you're not the only person that needs help. So we encourage people to call first. So instead of just arriving, call, because we might be able to accommodate you in a different way more quickly. Um, and so if you show up and have long wait times, you're going to be aggravated. So mm. we're trying to do the best possible by the owners and the pets and getting those that need immediate treatment treated and those um, that can wait a little bit slotted into appointments. So I tell owners, be proactive. If you know your pet needs vaccines, don't wait until they're overdue to get them. So it may take you a month or two to get in with your regular veterinarian, but if you're proactive about it um, and then keep the appointments. And so a lot of people are you know, quote unquote, shopping around for appointments. So if you get one, um, mm -hmm. that's sooner, please cancel the other one. Cause that's a slot that somebody else could take. Mm -hmm. Um, so just being conscientious and thoughtful is helpful to the veterinary community. Dr. Ficicello, what do you say to pet owners? I hope pet owners know how much we care, you know, that we, we take our job home with us. Like I had dreams about a patient I'm getting this morning mm. who had, been in the hospitals coming back and I woke up and I was like, ah, I was half asleep, but I was also thinking about what I needed to do for him today. Mm. That's what it was a good thing, right? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, I hope people know that, you know, no one becomes a veterinarian because we think it's um, going to lead us to a luxurious lifestyle, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of our owners know how much we care about their pets. Yeah. Yeah. I want people to get pet insurance. It's becoming more of a thing. Tell me why. Because it is hard enough to worry about your pet's medical issue, right? Without having to worry about the financial burden that comes along with it. Mm. So, you know, for me to, for us to be able to make medical decisions for what is best for a pet and not have to worry about the cost, that's huge. Um, so to see, you know, your dog gets hit by a car, how traumatic that you have to go through that with your pet. And your pet needs orthopedic surgeries. You know, that's thousands of dollars, you know. Yeah. So you just have to worry about your pet getting better, right, and getting through surgery, making it through that recovery. And you don't have to worry about that financial side of things. Yeah. And that is life-saving for some pets, life-saving for some pets. With what's going on with care, would you caution a prospective pet owner to maybe wait given the current conditions or no? I don't think so. And we don't know when this is going to end, right? So I don't think the current issues of veterinary medicine are reason to not get a pet. I think the moment you get a pet, you need to get in with your vet, you know, when you can, yeah. you know, and start making appointments and stuff, you know. Dr. Whalen? I mean, obviously people will keep getting pets. That's, you know, especially we realize the value of the pets during the pandemic, right? They were the constant despite so much change and adversity. And so getting a pet is great. It's just thinking ahead. Do I have a relationship with a veterinarian? Yes or no. If not, you need to establish that with a general practitioner because a lot of the smaller hospitals, the doctors aren't taking new patients. So maybe you need training set up. So you're going to get a young puppy. You need to have that all set in place. You need a groomer. You can't just acquire the pet and then expect all these pieces to fall into place, you kind of have to think ahead and make a plan. Um, because right now it's very difficult to get your dog room because they're also overbooked. Dr. Ficacello, is there anything I didn't ask you that you think it's important to say? Um, I have wonderful clients. I'm friends with a lot of my clients. <laughs> 
Um, but I think it's not just veterinary medicine. I think it's a reminder to everyone to just, you know, before you lash out, my God, we are all trying our best, you know, mm-hmm. after 18 months of living in this absolutely bizarre upside down world, you know, so we get your frustration. We get it, you know, but just remember that you're, you know, you're dealing with a profession that has already had a lot of mental health issues. I just want people to know that we are doing our best to make sure that no pet gets undertreated or not treated at all, you know, by all means. Okay. Okay. Thank you to Dr. Ficicello, Dr. Whalen, and all our guests today. What's that expression? Be the person your pet thinks you are? I also want to thank my podcasting partner, the kind and fabulously talented Kristen Keith. Our website was designed by Donna Mavramatis and her team at Mavro Creative. And I'm Allie Donnelly. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.